Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing True Detective Season 3. Damask Leary, how are you doing today? I'm good. I was just yawning before because I'm, you know, working a lot, 14 hour days, plus watching True Detective, yeah. an hour long episode each time and trying to get Love is a Lie happening. So yeah, a bit frazzled. How are you, Brod? I'm good. Yeah. Busy at work. Doesn't seem to be enough hours in the day. Mm. Playing a lot of Tetris 99 still somehow. Don't ask me how that's happening. Mm, I think I know how. <laughs> how, Damask? There are hours in the day oh, and you're choosing right. not to spend them with your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> she goes to bed, right? At early hours. That's not an excuse. How dare she sleep unlike I you? I know. I know. Who does that? Who mm. sleeps? What's the point? <laughs> How's your Switch going, by the way? I've had time to play it. Okay, whatever. Because I'm prioritizing important things, right? <laughs> Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> Let's get into it. Off topic. Hot topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. Off Topic Hot Topic is our news and views segment where we get to talk about the headlines of the TV world and discuss the stuff we've been watching that isn't this week's season of television. If you'd like to contribute a topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com, tweeting us at huntingscast or messages, messaging us on Instagram at huntingseasonspodcast. Uh, news in fuller. I'm going to count this just because I want something to fill the void here. Mm, to fill the void? Full, 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 void. Yeah, sure. Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> nailed it. Uh, CBS has renewed Star Trek Discovery, the show that Brian Fuller used to be showrunner on, mm. creator of, still says in the opening titles, uh, has renewed Star Trek Discovery for a third season. Interesting. I've been half watching the show. Like I think I started watching it. I was like, oh, I don't give a fuck about this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's not, not been a sit-down, pay-attention sort of thing. Nah. It's been doing the dishes or I'm like yeah. playing... Tetris 99 or something like that. I'll put on the background background noise and I'm actually really enjoying it. <laughs> it's been... When you're not watching it. Yeah, yeah got no, it. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> the, like the bits I'm picking up, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, it's definitely better better than season one. Yeah, cool. Um, Yeah, Captain Pike has really helped. It's a bit more adventurous. It's more of a like episode of the week sort okay. of thing. It's not, it's, yeah, it's it's more interesting, I think. I have I've find it much more enjoyable. Okay. Uh, for what it's worth. Uh, some headlines for you. NBC has renewed Brooklyn Nine-Nine for Yay! a seventh season. That's really exciting. That is it's very exciting. only just been back for a while, and that's mm. always a big thing once it changes networks. Mm-hmm. When it's been on the cusp of cancellation for a long time, to get picked up for a seventh season already is very cool. Um, the four-part HBO documentary series The Case Against Adnan Syed 
Uh, mm-hmm. So this is, if people don't know, the case that was the center of Serial Season 1, the podcast Serial Season 1. Um, this is a documentary series. It's not a, di- a direct follow-up, but certainly it's picking up from where Serial left off. That starts on HBO on March 10th. And from some of the reactions I've read from people who've seen it, or at least some of it, mm. they seem to really think it's really positive and is handling maybe... We've talked about some of the potential weaknesses of true crime stuff in the past, mm-hmm. and this maybe seems to be avoiding some of those pitfalls a bit, Cool, which excites me. Um, I want to talk about this little story as well. Mm. Have you heard that Rotten Tomatoes is no longer letting users review a movie before it's released? I have heard because you told me just before I we started. I did tell you just before <laughs> this. So, this is sort of uh, news in the movie world. Basically, what happened is that people who uh, are upset with Captain Marvel, which comes out next week, have decided to try and review bomb it on Rotten Tomatoes before the film's even released, mm. before practically anybody has seen the movie, to try and tank it and um, affect the box office, basically. It's good to know that some people out there have a lot of free, like free time. That's good. Do you want to know why these people are so upset? <sighs> I look, I already know. I'm not going to lie to the audience, but you can tell me and I'll act surprised. Uh, so, basically, uh, Brie Larson... Mm-hmm. has said that... Why did you put a question mark on the end of that? In my head, I was like, is it Brie Larson? You love Brie Larson. I do. I was like, there's a, lot, there's a few different Brie names out there, mm. Alison Brie and stuff. I was like, yeah. is it Brie Larson? I get that confused as well. Yeah. Um, said that she wanted or she tried to invite more diverse, a more diverse selection of journalists to the press for Captain Marvel. Basically saying there are already a lot of straight white males or white males who are covering mm-hmm. um, this film and film in general. So she had made an effort or wanted to see a bit of more diversity in the voices that mm-hmm. were covering this stuff from a journalistic point of view. How dare you? How dare she? <laughs> and so from that uh, straight uh, white males who with fragile egos. Do you feel excluded, egos, bro? Do you feel excluded? Fuck no. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> at all. I totally agree with her. So what you're saying is by making space for other voices, it doesn't uh, diminish your own. Is that Absolutely what you're saying? Absolutely oh, not. That's an interesting opinion. Um, yeah, no. It's the contra- internet disagrees with controversial, you. <laughs> apparently. And so because of that, man babies have decided, we're going to, I don't want this. This is, uh, apparently I'm being excluded now rather that's than just it. thinking they might be including other voices. I did like, just before we started, I was going through like the comment section on Rotten Tomatoes. And while like majority of opinions were quite positive and people were like, oh yeah, no, I'd be interested to see it. Um, one was just like, oh, you know, I was going to see it, but like the actress like has excluded me and doesn't want me to see it. I'm like, what the fuck? You? That's not what she said. Of course you can go see it. One, you're not a critic, so she wasn't talking about yeah. you anyway, buddy. And also she just said she wanted like people of colour and women to be able to participate in the critical conversation. Yeah. Jeez. There was someone, this was funny getting around on Twitter as well, someone who had said he was going to take a bullet for the rest of the fans because he because it's Marvel, whatever that means. <laughs> and so he had already he had already pre-ordered a ticket. Oh, mm. but he went and cancelled that ticket now, didn't he? As a God. protest. It's good to know that there's still heroes in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm. oh. Thank you for your service. This is getting you exhausting. Fucktard. This is oh is exhausting this sort of rubbish is going on. So I'm yeah. really happy with Rotten Tomatoes. Especially because they could have left it there because that is a company that's owned by Warner Brothers, I believe, Mm. and Sony or something like that. Or it's sort of like actually competing 
voices, mm. competing corporations with Disney, they could have very just left it there and gone, eh, well, it might help us a little bit. But instead, they did the right thing and like, we're actually going to take this away from you because you cannot be trusted with this. <laughs> and it doesn't make sense that you should have in the first place. And now there's, you know, oh, they're censoring us. They can't allow us to express our disinterest. Maybe if you need to express your disinterest this vocally, you are actually interested, dickhead. Uh, I'm getting my blood boiling. Anyway, uh, the other thing I want to talk about, maybe not for too long, we watched the, was it the 21st Oscars? 20, whatever it was. The, the two- 21st Oscars. No, 91st Oscars, whatever it was. It's 1962. <laughs> <laughs> the Oscars for the yeah. 2018 films, year of film. Um, we had a cool Oscars party, which we do every it's year. It's nice that it's been able to last since the 80s, which I like. It's a real <laughs> story. It's, it's a real institution <laughs> at this point, isn't it? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Please don't linger on that. Ah, uh, it's too early for this. The mm. we watched it. Mm. Uh, got a little bit tipsy, dressed up. I don't had know fun. what you're talking about. I won what? I don't know. I was sober. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> uh, I won the uh, betting competition. For, like, Good the thing third about year, when Broad is wins is everyone immediately stops caring about the competition. <laughs> as soon as I'm, as soon as I take, yeah, if yeah, I get too far ahead, I'm like, oh, great. It was like, all right, school, 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 <laughs> and no one cares anymore. Uh, so, first of all, let's just talk about the ceremony a little bit. This mm. was shaping up to be the worst Oscar ceremony ever. No host. They weren't going to show part four of the awards. Then they were. They, you know, were going to have a popular movie category. Then they weren't. Mm-hmm. They just kept backflipping on every decision possible. What did we think of the ceremony as a whole in the end? I, I mean, it was fine. It wasn't like a disaster. Yeah. It was uneventful. Mm. Um, but I was just like wondering, and maybe I missed like the very, very beginning, but the fact that like instead of having like a host do an opening and stuff, they opened it with Queen. Yeah. Which I was like, how are you so like able to so openly favor one film? Like it doesn't make sense that they – why are they doing that? Um, I don't think that's favoritism. I think like of course getting- it is. No, no, no. It's not. But it's not favoritism. Why? What, what? What? In what way does that affect anything, though? What you're asking is there is a film about one of the most popular bands of all time mm. in this category, but they are also one of the most popular bands of all time. If you got Queen, use Queen. Like that's a way to. I didn't actually even see the performance because I arrived late. Yeah, but like it the, just seems in so theory, skewed. it's a showstopper. I think that's a good but way then, to start. But then also like. Clearly then, like, oh, well, they're going to win a bunch of awards. I haven't seen it. I have no intention of seeing that movie. Um, but, yeah, I just felt really weird and biased to me. I would have felt that was true if there was, like, other films about the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and stuff that should be. Like, if there were other, like... like but why is your opener about one film? Well, no, it's not about one film. It's using one of those eight nominated films happens to be about and a ridiculously popular band mm. that has great music. So One why of those not films it? also has the biggest pop star. And was possibly ever. the highlight of that. And they put that in the middle of that ceremony and was amazing. Yeah, but that was about like that song was nominated for an Oscar. The song that they performed at the beginning of the show wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is that moment in the middle actually meant more because if you put that at the start, it wouldn't have had. I'm not saying they should. I'm saying like having Queen at the start. I was like, well, why don't you just have Lady Gaga singing Poker Face? I don't know, like what we're doing here. Because Lady Gaga was going to have another song later in the film. Like they didn't do. Did they perform 
any songs because it wasn't nominated. Yeah, that's the thing. It wasn't that song wasn't nominated for anything. I know. So why is it there? Because it's Queen, and you've got <laughs> Queen there. Why not have Queen do the opener? I don't know. I don't agree. I with totally that. was like, I think that's a non-issue. <laughs> no, I was just like, it's, it's fuck. It was so weird to me because it's just like it's a celebration of film of all the films that came out for that year. Okay, if you okay, if that's the argument that it's. I don't think the favoritism argument makes a lot of sense to me, but the argument that that's got nothing to do with movies now, that I can I agree with a little bit. Mm. Like, normally the opener will be like Neil Patrick Harris and he'll be doing a song about the movies or whatever, or um, Hugh Jackman will do something or whatever it might be. That I can agree with. Right. That makes sense. You make it, but without a host, I suppose you're left just sort of going, well, we need to open with something. And so what do you do instead of montage? Like, what do you do? I, I don't know, but I wouldn't do what they did. I think what they did was fine. It's a party. It's a... It's a party. It's not the fucking Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> it's not the fucking Grammys. Eh. It's the Oscars. Okay. Why am I watching Queen? Because they had a film that was nominated that year. There was a film about them. Yeah. So, why make it about one film? That's what I'm saying. Okay. It's favoritism about one fucking think, film. What, what song do they play? I don't fucking know. We Don't Are The us. Champions, wasn't it? Oh, probably. Yeah. So, like, but in that regard, they are at an awards show. Is mm-hmm. that kind of like at least celebrating the idea of we're going to celebrate the best of the best here? The films that made it. This wow, month? I'm stretching there, mate. I <laughs> think you're thinking about it too much. Um, I think I'm thinking about it a, a, a fine amount. You're just arguing me, so I have to keep reiterating my points. <laughs> Beyond that, what else stood out for you? Olivia Coleman's speech was a gem. Amazing. So good. Possibly my favourite Oscar speech Ever. Mm. I've it was the highlight it. of the night. But there, I don't think there's much to say about this. First of all, like Green Book, obviously, I think the world agrees that, like, why? Yeah. Um, but I also felt that way about Spotlight. Um, <laughs> Broad does not agree no, with I, that. I, I didn't, I never saw that winning Best Picture, but mm. I like it enough as a movie that I'm like, cool. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I, yeah. I like it as a film. I don't think it's Best Picture. Um, yeah. So I, I think it was the real non event, but that could have been. With it, maybe I was just underwhelmed by the films presented that year. I don't know. I, but, I didn't participate as much in like yeah, the the films that were nominated. I guess like I wasn't. I didn't I, watch a whole bunch of them. I have to agree with that. I think that's part of it. Is I don't know whether there were a lot of movies there that stood out as being best picture to begin with. I mm. wanted the favorite, but I also never really expected that to win best picture. I love the favorite. Um. And so the rest that were there... Oh, and The Wife was also fucking great. That didn't get nominated for Best Picture. I know, it's insane. Yeah. Like, things like that. So, yeah, you are left feeling, feeling a little bit... Like, it wasn't like Moonlight versus La La Land or Mad Max Fury Road where you're just like, this this should be Best Picture. Something special, yeah. Something, something different. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't something special mm-hmm. in there, I don't think, necessarily. Some might argue that maybe Roma was, but a lot of people I don't felt just sort of okay about that film anyway. Mm-hmm. So, hard to get excited about that sort of stuff. Black Panther, maybe. People might have been impressed if, or excited if that one, but mm-hmm. that never felt like a real shot anyway. Yeah. it And obviously, because a lot of these films were released, like, you know, just before the Oscars, as they often are, whereas Black Panther was released so often ago, the, the momentum was just gone out of that film. So, I don't think it was ever really a contender. Yeah. Um, so, I agree with that. Livia Coleman's speech stood out as being a real highlight. Just, it was great. If you haven't watched it for the eighth time, do it because I have. Just the fact she ends her speech by going, oh, Lady Gaga, <laughs> which is great. Um, also, I've already mentioned this multiple times, but if you're like Olivia Coleman, 
go and listen to David Tennant does a podcast with the first episodes with Olivia Coleman. Mm. And she talks a little bit about like how fame has affected her life since she's become more recognizable, mainly because of like Broadchurch and stuff. Mm. She's now won an Oscar. <laughs> and just listen to that conversation in context now. Mm. It's just interesting to think about. Uh, the Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper performing Shallow. How did you feel about that? Look, his vocals weren't great, but I think it ended in a really cool place. That might be... I think that's going to become an iconic Oscar moment. The way that that was done... I the, like the way it was shot. I thought that was The way it was really cool. shot, the way it was performed, the way it was lit, the way that execution of that moment beyond Bradley Cooper's singing, which just... <laughs> which is far... It's like... It's not god-awful, but it's just nothing compared to her. Yeah. It's not great. It's not great. But as a whole package, mm. and the way they get that, that lush, that That the performance end of that was shot, more engaging than the entire film. That, lu- that close-up at the end, mm. to have that happen live and to, to be so effective as to make everyone go, holy fuck, are these two fucking <laughs> around the internet- um, was very, very cool. Like, mm. that was really, really, really well done, I thought. I, I think I'll remember that for a long time. Uh, beyond that, unremarkable, with the sounds of it for you. Yeah. Okay. What do you have for us, Damask? Oh, look, as ever, I'm on a hot, hot, hot issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I finally watched the Justice League. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> um, it was just like Why a lazy- Why did you do that to yourself? Because it was a lazy Sunday, and um, Andrew and I have been, like, watching- a bunch of the rock movies and we've like literally run out of other than like the fast and the furious ones. Cause she refuses to watch them with me. Oh, um, oh, I know it's really sad. I'm, I'm slowly <laughs> like, cause I just want to watch them. So I'll break her down eventually. Um, but so we just ran out of like those kinds of movies and like justice league was on, on one of the streaming services. I'm like, and you're, maybe it's a should. Joss Whedon film as well. Well, <laughs> let's not besmirch his, his character. Um, <laughs> <Too no. late. laughs> yeah, exactly. No. So like I was, I had very low expectations, obviously it was fine. It was something we've seen before. It had huge holes it's in the middle so of it. Dumb in the the first act went for way too long, but I guess that's what happens when you're doing three origin stories at the beginning mm-hmm, of a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was fine, and I get why people liked it. Um, yeah, it was a fun, lazy Sunday movie. So it wasn't a disaster, but it was just that, yeah, I feel like it's it's something that we've moved past, but it's okay if some people still like that stuff. I think it's a disaster in the con- – because you're right, it is just a whatever movie, mm. right? It's it's fluff. It's fine, mm-hmm. especially because it goes for about an hour and a half. Yeah. But what – If it came out like 15 years ago, people were like, oh, my fucking God. Totally. Yeah. I think the, 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 the part, part that makes a disaster in some aspects or in some people's minds is that the Avengers did this mm. and – they some they made it work so well. Mm. There is no excuse for a film that includes Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, uh, Cyborg, and who's the He's other also, one? Also, Cyborg Aquaman. is in True Detective. Who's in True He's Detective? He's the son. Oh, it is too. Yeah. There you go. He's a bit more beefed up in True Detective. I feel yeah. like. He's like maybe he's getting ready for the next one. Possibly. Oh, uh, maybe. No, he's probably still beefy. He was just covered in metal shit. That's true. Um. The, but there's like those six heroes mm. should not be a meh affair. Do you know what I mean? That should <laughs> yeah, of be. Course, they totally. are iconic characters. Yeah. At least four of them are. Mm. And so to have it just sort of be, yeah, yeah, it was fine. Is a pretty yeah. bad outcome. Yeah. It also made less money. That film with all those characters made less money than Batman vs Superman, Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, 
uh, mm. Suicide Squad, I'm pretty sure it made less money yeah. than that. That is like, a financial disaster. The, the good faith had run out by then, and oh, so that yeah. good faith money was not coming in anymore. Totally. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, I, it was better than Suicide Squad. Um, I probably enjoyed it more than Man of Steel because that movie was so fucking boring. At least this one had like beautiful people punching shit, you know? It had a bit of wit to it as well. Yeah, like, exactly. It had some fun, and like the Flash was great. Um, it's always nice to see Wonder Woman kicking the shit out of people. Um, yeah, it was it was fine. Mm, yeah. That's my uh, hot review coming live. <laughs> 17 years too late, which is how I do things, you know? James Gunn is directing Suicide Squad 2. What? Mm. Mm. Really? Mm-hmm. It's been tapped to do that. It's about to start shooting, apparently. Will Smith has just left the project oh, due to scheduling I conflicks. Like, my, um, my DC are just like doing backflips about yeah. that. Wow. Yeah. Good on him. Yeah, I'm very happy for yeah. him. Fucking, you're dickheads, Disney. Yeah. You idiots. So Guardians still, we don't know when 3 is going to start filming. Mm. Oh, it's a disaster, that stuff. I mean, the rest of Marvel is chugging along like a well machine, but the Guardians bit is, that's not yeah. good. Uh, so I have very, oh, fuck you, Chris Pratt. Anyway, go on. Uh, what else you got for us? No, that's it. Oh, cool. I have mm. a Damascus Leary patented reality check. How d- I'm suing you. <laughs> <laughs> you spent to join in. Oh, sorry, buddy. Um, I watched a new Netflix show called Dating Around. I watched this? that as well. Oh, good. We can talk about that. It's a reality show, right? Reality show. There we go. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, this is essentially a six-episode Netflix series set in New York each episode is about a different person on basically having the same date with a number of other people. So, mm-hmm. they'll go to the same restaurant, same bar, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. um, and they'll they'll be wearing the same clothes. And sort of what will often happen is it'll have a conversation with one person, it'll cut back to that person, and they're having the other half of that conversation with a different person. It's sort of like mm-hmm. you sort of have all these different dates happening um, all at once, it feels like, but edit together that way. How did you feel about it? Did you enjoy it? Um, so I haven't watched all of the episodes. I oh. kind of like because Angela had watched a bunch. Cool. Mostly with the ones with like uh, women in it, and then like we'd gone back and like watched a couple of the other ones. Yep. Um, so I watched the one with the gay dude, the older gentleman, and um, a woman. I think it was the second episode. Uh, a younger woman. Yep. Oh, I, mean, I think she thinks think she was thirty six. Um, I thought it was really interesting. It's interesting to see like these really um, diverse, not only people, but conversations. Um, it's very relatable for mm-hmm. anyone who has gone on a bunch of like Tinder dates or whatever it might be. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I found it pretty satisfying and, and it's, and it has this element of suspense almost at the yeah. end of every episode of like who they're going to choose and your judgments on how a certain date has gone or how suitable a person is sometimes matches up with how they feel or sometimes not. And you're just like left going, why the fuck would you choose that person? Sure. But yeah, I thought it was a really engaging kind of fun show. And um, I'm sure Netflix is kind of marketing as like a classy reality show. Yeah. I really enjoyed it as well. Our My household, we just sort of like, oh, let's give this a go. And then mm. ate like all six episodes yeah. basically <laughs> in a night. It was really easy to do. Mm. Uh, exactly what you said. It's that thing where you do get invested in like, oh, Oh, you, they're definitely most into them. You can tell mm, by their body language yeah. and stuff. Or so you, it's it's fun to see the ones where there's real chemistry and the yeah. date's going well, as compared to one which is 
uh, it's kind of there, but there's probably no real chemistry there. They might be friends at most mm. after this. And the ones that are fucking god-awful, of which you've seen at least one of those dates. Yeah, well, there was. it was interesting. <sighs> I was watching one, and as soon as this guy walks in, I was like, he is antagonistic. Yes. He is disrespectful. Oh. He like he's got some like weird seething anger that he is um, displaying as confidence and or humor. And immediately I was like, he's a bad fucking dude. Yeah. And the the person he was on a date with um, did not recognize that at all. Um, continued things along, and I was like, and when like. It ends with like him kind of exploding. They have this fight, and I was like, "Fucking called it!" Within two seconds yeah, of this yeah. guy opening his mouth, like, "Ugh!" I'm glad I can recognize those people. And I think I've like pretty good judge of character when it comes to men. <laughs> yeah, because like I'm not distracted by anything. Um, but ugh, yeah, dirt. But that episode made me real fucking angry. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um. So those moments are pretty intense, interesting when they happen, and then there's other ones that you haven't seen yet where. People, like, just call it early. Just like, you know what? I have heard that. I'm excited for those episodes. I'm yeah. just not feeling great. I'm going to yeah. go. And yeah. you're like, oh, God, that went poorly. <laughs> but, well, good on you for knowing. Just like, But oh, I also love people that have the ability to do that. I've never been able to call a date early. There's there's one in particular, one date that I, I really enjoy. I just say for, like, you know, three or four drinks and then I'm off. Sure. You know what I mean? But I've never been, like halfway through a drink and being like, I'm going to go. There's there's one that's interesting just from the perspective of, like, a lot of these dates, you know pretty early who they're vibing with and stuff like that. And there's one uh, one person who has, she's got chemistry with a few different people. Mm. And then what as the date goes on, it's really interesting where the line gets drawn with her multiple times. Mm. And she's got this huge, like, wall defense mm. that goes up yeah. where all of a sudden just like things get pushed to a halt and some it honestly feels like a little unreasonable at times mm-hmm. to the point where she's obviously had a really hard time in the yeah. past and like her standards are super high and there's nothing wrong with that but you wonder if she's like pushing people away yeah. it's like self-sabotage at some mm-hmm. point as well i don't know there's some it's it's quite insightful mm. for a dating show i yeah. thought her senses are yeah perhaps Perhaps pinging when they may not need to. Or sometimes I think she almost like forces the point or oh, uses I a see. test to yeah. sort of oh, see like. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. This is, this is, you know, watching half an hour of someone interact with a bunch of different people and putting a lot of like, <laughs> but a lot of the household. But it's um, great that you can invest so quickly in, in a show like cool. this. Yeah. And there's some, um, so you've said you've seen the, which episodes? So the, the gay dudes. Yeah. The older gentlemen. Yeah. And the 36-year-old woman who, like, I think, works for, like, as a shopper for Barney's or something. Yeah. There's yeah. one with two. There's one um, with a uh, gay woman, or she might even uh, identify as bi, I can't remember, mm-hmm. that I really loved. Yeah. That was just, it was just, she had chemistry with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it was really Another. fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's actually a really cool show. So, I highly suggest mm. people yeah, looking for too. something light and fluffy and easy to watch. Half yeah. our episodes, Dating Around Season yeah. 1, just six episodes. Let's get to our spoiler-free review of True Detective Season 3. Let me clue you in. Season in review. True Detective Season 3 leaves behind the smoking crater that was the previous eight episodes to get back to its roots, a puzzling investigation over a few decades in a small town in rural America. (sighs) That's more like it. 
Nick Pizzolatto returns to write with some assistance from David Milch and Graham Gordy. Pizzolatto also made his directorial debut debut for two episodes, sharing the rest of the season with Jeremy Saulnier of Blue Ruin and Green Room fame, and Daniel Sackheim of The X-Files, Law & Order, House of the Americans, and many others, and stars Mahershala Ali, Carmen Ejogo, Stephen Dorff, and Scoot McNary as the father of two missing children, Tom Purcell. Season three consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 56 minutes, with a 72-minute finale, and took us approximately seven hours and 45 minutes to watch. As of recording this podcast, it is unknown if True Detective will return for a fourth season. So before we get into our reviews, Damask, could you remind the listeners what you thought of season one and season two of True Detective? I loved season one. We had watched that as it was coming out. It was very exciting time to be alive. Mm. Um, I was all about the mystery. I loved the style of the show. I loved the performances. Um, yeah, I was. I couldn't uh, rave enough about season one. Then we watched season two last week um, and I wanted to set it on fire. <laughs> I was not a fan. I found all of the characters... Very uninteresting. The show, I think, lacked the style that we loved from season one. Um, and I found the writing to be laughable. So, not a fan. What about you, Rob? Uh, very, very similar. Yeah. Love season one when we first watched it. think I liked it even more upon the rewatch. Yeah, me too. Um, for a few reasons that might come up as we talk about season three as mm. well. I think some of the lessons I learned from season one helped me with season three. Um, and yeah, same as you. Season two did nothing for me pretty much. Um, some minor highlights here and there. Overall, found it pretty garbage. Mm. So, with that in mind, with those expectations in place, uh, what did you think of season three of True Detective? So, I binged this show over a couple of days. Ooh. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, uh, it is tough. Yeah, I've been very, very busy. Um, so, while I was watching, I was like, oh, yes, the style is back, although not, I think, as impactful as season one, but it is there, which is nice. The performances are incredible. The way that Mahershala Ali's eyes take you through time, it's amazing. Shifting between life experiences so deftly. Like, I think we can all agree he's amazing, and apparently the Academy agrees, although I haven't seen, was it Green, Green Book? Book? Yeah, there it is. We're going to pretend... That didn't happen. Mm. Um, Stephen Dorff is charming and endearing in every scene as his partner. The two work perfectly together and it's nice to have a duo this season where you can sit back and enjoy the dynamic, which uh, we were certainly wanting in season two but weren't getting. There's plenty of mystery this time around and the ticking time bomb of Wayne's memory loss is a wonderful framing device, I think, that brings very personal stakes to the case. Uh, there is a lot in this season. And by the end of it, I found myself wondering what it was about. And it, that's not to say that it was devoid of meaning, but that I personally am finding it hard to land on one solid theme or even to like succinctly or yeah, succinctly understand the many themes sure. I think that are there for me to kind of articulate it to people. Um, now, I've seen opinions of others um, that this is a puzzle box show, but also a character study. Well, it seems I have failed that class. I finished the season still feeling at arm's length with many of the characters. But not only that, I found the mystery unsatisfying at the end. Perhaps this is a show that I can come back to, study a little closer and find more enriching. I hope so, because there are so many elements of this show that do work and that I did enjoy. It's a solid season, an improvement on the second and a good partner to the first. What's your opinions, Broad? 
Okay. First of all, can I just ask, can we just pretend that season two never happened? Can we do a, a community and just call it a gas leak year or something like that? Sure. Because the quality, the, the step up in quality here from season two is big. Mm-hmm. Very quickly, I was reassured that this season was righting, righting the wrongs of season two, mostly by modeling itself a lot on season one. Mm. Set in and around small town, a small town in the American South, check. A focused narrative with a straightforward but eerie mystery to solve, check. Two detectives on a case that spans large stretches of time, check. Themes of masculinity, male friendship, marriage, family, police work, bad police work, discrimination, memory, and compromised cognitive function, check. A non-linear story structure that dangles answers just out of reach and propels you through each episode, check. Some might argue that the sheer number of similarities to season one are a negative. Why not do something fresh? I kind of see it like how I see The Force Awakens, i.e. Star Wars Episode Seven. That film is what some call a requel, a sequel that is in the sense that it takes place after and is a continuation of other stories, but is also kind of a remake of mm. A New Hope, which might be disappointing in some ways, but did a great job of re-establish- re-establishing what made Star Wars great after the series completely fell off the rails with the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. True Detective Season 3 is The Force Awakens of this show, getting the series back on track. Unlike Season 2, the dialogue is not trying nearly as hard. No. That's not to say there aren't plenty of Pizzolatto's signature poetic musings, but they aren't nearly as frequent frequent, nor as stinky. (laughs) The southern landscapes don't feature quite as much as the first season, but season three is still plenty beautiful to look at with a familiarly desaturated palette and soft focus that gives the images texture and depth. Do you regret writing that sentence? I do, (laughs) but I I do agree it's not quite as impactful as season one, Mm. maybe just because... There's an expectation there for that this time around mm-hmm. as well. I think if this had just existed on its own in a vacuum, I would have felt it a little bit more. But yeah, season one's imagery does definitely. Yeah. Though it's also taking place in a different landscape than season one different did. So landscape. our expectations are different. Different landscape. Now that I think about though, there are some really beautiful. Like I think of some of the rusts, like uh, visions that he mm-hmm. has in season one. Some of the most startling imagery. Mm-hmm. There is similar sort of stuff that happens here. Some of it doesn't work great Mm -hmm. some of it is very striking and cool though Mm. um so there's a lot of stuff there uh is it quite on the same level as keri joji fukunaja fukunawa fukunawa i don't think so but it's 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 not bad it's not like last season uh the soundtrack is mostly effective if a little overpowering at times especially during moments of tension or creepiness it was very very like it was just there. You, you. It was. Hey guys, I'm a mood. Are you feeling it? <laughs> exactly. To the point of distraction at times. Uh, performances are strong across the board, featuring excellent work from Carmen Jogo, Stephen Dorff, and Scoot McNary, but especially from Mahashala Ali, who plays Wayne Hayes. Hayes is a stone-faced detective, but in the smaller details, his sadness, fear, and vulnerability shine through his stoic veneer. Uh, he also had the difficult task of playing Hayes at many different ages, but I honestly had to keep reminding myself he was in makeup during the more aged-up scenes. It's super, super impressive mm. from both the actor and the makeup department. On the flip side, the action isn't a whole lot better than last season, particularly in one of the bigger set pieces, which starts to edge towards comical, though action scenes aren't nearly as numerous as they were in season two or even in season one, really. Overall, I really enjoyed True Detective season three. I'm looking forward to discussing the themes of this season with you. I'm not. Because I think there's a lot there. I, I think it's going to be a discussion. I know you have fear that I'm just <laughs> going to talk at you. I don't think there's necessarily a lot to talk no, at. No, I don't have fear of that. I just 
I just feel like an idiot and I feel very no. uncomfortable in that. I, I think... Because <laughs> generally, I'm very intelligent, Brod. Absolutely. I'm uh, at a higher level. I think... I wonder whether just um, because of the way you watched it... Mm, I think meant so. You haven't really had time to like... It's kind of like uh, in Jurassic Park, which we were talking about earlier, off, off uh, Mike, where they're like, they have to like... The archaeology thing, they have to like find the bones mm. underneath. You haven't had time to scrape away the dirt yet. Mm. And find I the love stuff that you there. couldn't just reference archaeology. No, nah, I had to go to Jurassic Park. It had to be... Specifically in the film Jurassic Park, <laughs> it, did. it did that opening bit where the helicopters yeah, show no, up. It's, and put, it's yeah. awesome. Yep. That your your watch viewing watch experience was like helicopters were there the whole time. Mm, um, totally. <laughs> uh, because the thing I was lucky to do this time was I watched it with my brother Liam, mm. and we did sort of like two episodes at a time. And it reminded me a lot of when we watched season one back time. in the day. It's nice to have someone to talk to about that stuff Really as well. nice to yeah. have someone to talk to and just sort of bounce, you know, each little moment as it happens. Mm. You start to sort of see what they're laying track towards yeah, in some ways. Yeah, you get excited, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that really helped, um, I thought as well. I'm very interested also to talk about the mystery and how it wraps up with you mm-hmm. and how what you thought about that. When you All right, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, overall, I really enjoyed True Detective Season 3. Mm. It's great to see the show back on track after losing its way so much in Season 2. And hopefully, now it's got its footing back, it can do something a bit more adventurous and less familiar if we get a Season 4. No guarantees about that. Although I think it's been doing okay. It's been talked about quite I a bit. I think so. Today. We'll see. Uh, how would you score this out of 5, Damask? I'm giving it a solid three point five, mm-hmm. um, just because my personal enjoyment. It's a gr- it's a well made show, mm-hmm. but my personal enjoyment um, was lacking. So three point five. I'm going to give it a high four, mm. uh, edging towards a four point five in a big way. Like I really enjoyed it. I came away. There's definitely some moments that didn't work as well for me, mm-hmm. but like I had that problem with season one as well. And I think the thing that the biggest problem is that it's. Because it's obviously borrowing the DNA of season one so much, um, it's sort of like it's like remixing it in ways, putting its own spin on things. But that familiarity sort of makes me go, oh, okay, that's a mm. that's a bit of a shame. Yeah, but I the- think I was like always waiting for it to get to a certain place, sure, and it never got there. So overall, on reflection, I am quite unsatisfied with what I got. I think that's mm. interesting because yeah, because I. I felt quite satisfied by the end of it. Unsatisfied or dissatisfied? Dissatisfied, sure. 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 It is fine. Okay. We're not going to be picky. This is not a grammar podcast. <laughs> but uh, speaking of my new project. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. 
and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning! On this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1, 2, and 3 of True Detective. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of True Detective up to this point. If not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You, you have, have been, been warned! Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Uh, so, just saying once again, as we did last week... The yes, we're going to spoil season one and two, not in depth, but we, I think, to review this properly, you need to reflect on the pros and cons, the strengths and weaknesses of the previous seasons. Mm-hmm. So, while this doesn't correct, connect directly, or does it, to the other seasons, <laughs> um, yeah, there will be some spoils in there. So, just be prepared for that. Um, so, let's talk about the mystery. You said the mystery was unsatisfying in its conclusion. Can you talk about that a bit? Uh, so, I think it's. Oh, is it episode six when Tom goes to the house and sees the pink room and stuff? Mm-hmm. So at that point, we leave the perspective of our two mains, but particular um, Wayne. And so we kind of understand that the Hoyts have kidnapped the girl. So at that point, the mystery or like the real like chunk of the mystery, the real juicy bits of the mystery. The who part of the mystery. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's gone. The mm-hmm. air is gone gone out of that balloon um so i was like oh okay and then we we continue on and so then at that point it's really about whether wayne is gonna find some sort of um resolution in Mm -hmm. his own mind and so we get to this point where they find out that she has died um and they're both like oh well that's unsatisfying and you know they're like yeah yeah no it is like I don't feel any type of closure really about that. And I was like, oh, okay, so now we're going to like really focus towards the end of the season about you don't need that. That's not what it's about. It's about healing your own life through trauma or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And then he <sighs> knocks over the book and apparently it's really happy. And I'm like, I don't know. At that point I didn't care about the mystery. It's like I, I guess it's nice that she's got a family and stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I, th- I just think my level of care like – it really went down severely as okay. soon as Tom walked through that door. Right. Okay. I That's interesting. I have a very different experience than do you. So, the Tom bit, you know, understanding it was the Hoyts, didn't surprise me a whole lot. No. But it was like, okay, Pink Room makes sense, Pink Castle makes sense, talking about being a princess, all that stuff. Now we understand where that comes from. Exactly what, how involved Hoyt was, was the next question. And mm. we got, uh, what's his name? The, the character actor who comes in to play Hoyt. I just um, remember him from Walking Dead. I don't know his name. I always think of uh, True Detective. Come back to that. Not True Detective. Um, I mean, that too now. Of Guys of the Galaxy is Yondu. Oh, um, yeah, of course. I'll come back to his name later. He shows up as Hoyt and you're like, in the last episode, and you think that's going to be the main push of the mystery. It's not. He doesn't know what's happening there. And then we get that scene where they finally track down the guy missing an eye, right? Mm. And the most dissatisfying and probably Worst executed scene, I think, in the entire season (laughs) is him just going exposition drop and, like, just tells you everything that happened. The mystery is just like, oh, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. Punish me. Yeah. And it is wholly dissatisfying because I think you can get 90 to 95% of the mystery as the show presents it to you. Yeah, Which is fine. 
but the I think the problem that some people have had, I had a really uh, interesting discussion with Lindsay Romain, who's a critic on Twitter this week, about how that really soured the ending for her. And I understand that because it is such a like a there's no there's not a lot of like real character drive or understanding of the people who took Julie at That's the thing, end. It, you know it I mean? felt so like Jane Air to me, where there's like this crazy woman in the attic, but in mm-hmm. this case, this crazy woman in, in the, the basement. basement. Yeah. Thing is, like, okay, so the real criminal here is a, a woman. We don't know anything about her. Yep, we know, we know nothing about her. Mm-hmm. She wears a lot of whimsical clothing, I guess, for some reason to really like push home that whole Jane Eyre thing. Um, she's kidnapped this girl. We don't really know anything about her. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just I want to know. I want to know yep. about these people. Um, so here's so if the mystery isn't working for me or the unveiling of the mystery isn't satisfying, then I I I guess I wanted more focus then on the character. Mm-hmm. And then I wasn't satisfied on that end, and so I was just like the character of the anyone, daughter of anyone. Okay, sure of anyone. Um, but sure, but like let's look at you know perhaps belonging to a family that has endless power within that community, um, you know, while dealing with tragedy and then, like, taking out your trauma on other people, um, which, you know, is, I guess, another theme of this show. But we don't get that perspective from this woman either. Like, I just, I don't, yeah, I didn't know what to think of it. I didn't know how to absorb what I was Trying, I was trying to take it in, but I didn't know how, where to put it, I guess. Sure. Mm. Um, the actor's name is Michael Rooker, by the way. I didn't look it up. I remembered, which oh, is weird for good me. good job. My own brain did the IMDb mm. this time. Um, <laughs> okay. So, this is where I think I had much more I positive reaction. I want you to reaction. punish me. <laughs> yeah. I honestly think that stuff is kind of designed specifically to be disappointing, right? So I agree. It reminds me of, do you remember- watching the True Detective Season 1 finale the first time we watched it. Because mm-hmm. I remember watching that finale and being dissatisfied with that ending because I was expecting answers to The Yellow King and to Carcosa mm. and, like, all yeah. the talk around yeah. it had been around, like, who's The Yellow King? Yeah. Is Marty The Yellow King? What's The Yellow yeah. King mean? All that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I think, like, the purpose there, because like, we really do see at the end of Season 1, like, you know, we get that tele- uh, television broadcast with, like, the news reporters being like, oh, you know, like, there were theories that, you know, it was a, a bigger thing, but yes. yeah, that's proven not to be true. So we it's clearly like dissatisfying to us and the characters within the story. But we end in such like a place where we've gone through a journey with these two detectives. Mm-hmm. We've watched them grow and evolve together. And it's really about the friendship. And I understood that and I understood that that's what the story was. But even going back to the <clears throat> the central mystery, I think, mm. and why that was meant to be disappointing, right? is because I think part of the point is that it's actually kind of really easily solvable if they just put in the work and found this guy originally, mm. right? So, again, similar season one. The bad detective work fucked up this case, yeah. right? And it's, again, a very similar story of, like, regrets. We've got to do this right this time. Let's actually get the guy. Mm. And I think partly there was a reflex to just not make it a big conspiracy. Like, they... They tease you with like they show you Rust and mm. Marty and the person the, the person doing the true criminal TV show mm-hmm. documentary true crime thing presents that idea and leads you down the path of the crooked spiral and I was like and like 
and I gotta say, like, as a fan of the first season, I was like hyped. Like, that's amazing. But also, I was also like, please don't. <laughs> but well, I was wasn't even just please don't. It was more. I don't believe you. Yeah. I feel like that is a red herring. Mm-hmm. And um, so I didn't get sort of too wrapped up in that mm-hmm. as much as it was nice to see, like, get a feel. This is all mm. one cohesive world. The The idea kind of ended up being that there was this terrible tragedy that happened mm-hmm. involving a woman who was not in charge of a cognitive function, mm-hmm. way too much money and power around her, it's a bad accident that killed a kid, a very, very bad like a family that's struggling Mm -hmm. a lot of crap happened and then around that you've got detectives who are doing shitty work and then their power higher ups who are all doing things politically so what happened was this tragic event happened and everything around it just made it worse it's this black hole of like pain and death and all these things these regrets that build from that and so the fact that it was such a shrug sort of explanation, Mm. kind of felt like the point to me. And that was helpful. Mm. And so that helped me to sort of go, okay, I understand a lot of what you're trying to say here or or what the story ultimately is about. Like we've watched this this, uh, investigation get railroaded two or three times at this point and different people get accused and blamed and it ruins multiple lives in the process and just how fucked that whole thing is. Thought that was an important part. I like that. I really like what you said. That that. helped a lot Mm. with me. That made a Mm -hmm. lot of sense. That sort of, like I said, it was like a black hole, right? Yeah. It was, that was the point of it. And so, because what was interesting Mm. is that if you actually look at the person of interest here, Julie, there was some trauma that took place for her, but then she's since been able to escape that, right? Mm. She was able to cut herself loose and get away. And the thing that almost happens at the end, the ultimate tragedy would have been if Wayne actually did get to her and tell that story. So he has this moment where he opens the book yeah. and like Amelia is having a flashback and saying, wouldn't that story be worth telling? And the show is ultimately saying, don't no. tell that story. Yeah. Do not tell that story because she doesn't need to be pulled back into that black mm. hole again. You need to yeah. escape it. And one of my favorite but, moments. Yeah, I, sorry, go on, go on. One of my favorite moments also in the finale is when we have, I think it's the flashback to the 90s after they've shut down the investigation again. And Wayne and Amelia have had this discussion and they both talk about, A, the complexities of their relationship where she's investigating this from a book perspective and he's investigating this as a detective in the police force. And then they both decide that for the sake of their relationship, rather than getting sucked into the black hole as well, they're going to do what Julie did and escape. Mm. So they both decide, I'm not going to write about this anymore and I'm going to leave the police force Mm -hmm. for the sake of our own relationship and lives mm-hmm. and w- and so what we have we get this little glimpses into like this 2000s period we barely see it yeah but we get the feeling that they were happy he was working security at yeah. the university that she was working at she was working as a teacher again they had a good family they seemed to have a good relationship with their whole family and so the the victory they had was actually stepping away and so the tragedy was again that once amelia was gone wayne lost that connection to his wife he lost part of his identity and what that was important to him. And I want to talk about this about Wayne in a moment as well. Maybe this is becoming just me talking at you. Sorry. Yeah, so far. <laughs> um, but like then um, he starts to fall down into the black hole again. Mm-hmm. And only by pure chance does it not consume him and create a whole new disaster at the end basically. Mm. Yeah, I think like going back to what you were saying <clears throat> um, 
about five minutes ago. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. It's stream consciousness. It's the same thing. I thought this was going to happen as we talked. I was going to help to develop my thoughts a bit more. Yeah, too, yeah, go yeah, on. yeah no. uh, It's interesting, you know, Amelia, when um, Wayne is sitting there and like she's kind of talking to him and being like, yeah, isn't this a story worth telling? I think something interesting that this show discusses is ownership of story. And because that's like a huge thing between Amelia and Wayne. It's like who should be able to tell stories and is something, you know, are you taking advantage of people, all that kind of thing. And so... The uh, documentary I, crew is sort of a similar take yeah, on like, the totally. idea of like, true crime stories. Yeah. It's not, and so when yeah. like he goes and he finds Julia, like yes, he shouldn't tell that story, but also an, an acknowledgement of like she has her own her own story. She's created mm. her own narrative, um, and she's created a life through through that, and that is just as valid and more important to her it's it's her story story. and she should be able to tell it however she wants and so if her story is that woman was her mother it was not good she got away and now is living this wonderful life Mm -hmm. that story is way more important Mm -hmm. than the other one Mm. yeah and that that, i think that's the the exact thrust of it is that we get to that we get a glimpse of it we don't even need to know that story fully yeah and we've been given the clues along the way that she did not like she calls up and says do not come looking for me. Mm. I do not want to be found. And you get the sense that it's it's not that simple. There's she's not remembering all the details yeah. that like that creates obviously a lot of distress for Tom in particular and like those other characters. But the but again, her side of this story is valid and mm. I And I yeah, yeah, I think like there while there is so much tragedy around the fact that Julia really We'll never know the truth about it's just Julie. Like sorry, wrong. sorry, That's Julie. Right. We'll never know the truth about her dad, that he mm. was a loving, kind man and loved her so, so much. Mm-hmm. Like she will always think of him probably as a monster. And while that is tragic, her story hasn't ended yet. And so just and Tom's story has it's 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 over, yep. and so in order to like rewrite Tom's ending, you would then have to destroy Julie's, and that's not worth it either. So I think you just kind of have to once again sit in the trauma and just deal with it. Yeah, it's again that ghost Amelia that shows up in the last episode and talks to Wayne, old mm. Wayne, is like you know what if life endured through this? What if something like out of this? crater or this wreckage mm. managed to like continue on after all that death something survived it and it was julie and like she's right about the worth but ghost amelia who isn't really amelia but yeah. is wrong about that story needing to be told yeah that story needs to be preserved it needs to be mm. allowed to just continue i think but and- also like that can be an important story to tell but it's okay just to tell a story to yourself. You know what I mean? Because and that's like true that's too. how we live our lives. It's just that we are continuously telling ourselves a story about our life, what is happening, who we are. And so he can he can tell that story, but it doesn't have to be public. It doesn't have to be to other people. Wasn't it I think you put it this way in about season one, these was a story about men who were in the wrong narrative or telling themselves the wrong narrative. Mm. They were they were incorrect about themselves yeah. and so like one thought they were the good guy the other guy thought they were terrible and both of them were wrong yeah and because they were telling themselves that incorrect narrative that ruined things for everybody especially yeah. themselves and their families around them so again it's another yeah it's exactly about that about the stories you're telling yourself and so it's interesting we talk about wayne as well 
So you don't feel like you really know Wayne. Yeah, and I think like it's part of the point because time and time again we're told that Wayne doesn't know himself. Absolutely. And so he is a confused man. And so I understand that. Um but it also makes for me it makes it less interesting to watch. Sure. Because I want to I want to be able to understand the the flaws of the person, the like all of the like ins and outs and like yeah, I just want to feel like I'm really getting to know someone. And mm-hmm. so to get to the end and feel like I still don't know him, I think it feels unfortunate to me because I was so invested and I wanted to get there. But I I think the show, that was not the purpose of the show, whereas I thought that was perhaps what it was going to be. Yeah, I kind of feel like they should have used, they introduced in like the second last episode this like 2000s like timeline, right? Where mm. his daughter's old enough to be at school. He's uh, doing security, that one. Yeah, he's working security yeah. and Amelia's working at the university or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. And we get tiny little glimpses into that life. And what it tells us is in that period, things are pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wish we got to spend a little bit more time there. Yeah. Maybe create a a false idea that there's something else going on there and then reveal it to just be a nice little mm. like insight into a period where they weren't – Wayne wasn't uh, sort of absorbed by the Purcell case, right? And I, I agree with you that might be missing to really get to know what Wayne's like outside of his trauma. And you talked about this with season two, that people mm. are sort of more their trauma than anything else. Yeah. Because ultimately, I think that's the best explanation we have for Wayne is he was this guy who made a decision to go to Vietnam because a, a big reason was because he was if he died, he was going to help to his mother get, you know, richer or, you know, mm, look after her. Money. Yeah. And from that, his whole life has been shaped around that career where mm. he talks about he misses the days where the only thing on his to-do list, list was to not die. Mm. And he- I think the um, Native American man says I that. Think, well, he agrees. Sorry, he, they agree yeah. then. They had the understanding of what that is. And there's, there's a lot of veterans, of mm. especially Vietnam veterans in this mm-hmm. series as well. We go to that veteran bar a lot and different characters have, have served. And um, the way that what has happened, I think, is he- he has become defined by what he does, right? Mm-hmm. So he is most, he is sort of in a way at his best and also at his worst when he is working this case. Mm-hmm. So he is unhappy when he's got this desk job, but he's got a better relationship with his wife when he's doing that. And he is feels like he's got drive and purpose when he's working as detective, but it strains the relationship with the others around him when he does it. And yeah. it's that tension that's a lot of the story mm. and whether that's insight into Wayne or not, I'm not sure but I felt and and liked that mm. sort of yeah he seems to me like a man that can only be committed to one thing at a time sure. so when he is a detective then he's just a detective and his family you know kind of falls by the wayside mm-hmm. whereas like when and I would have liked to see this more I think to really define it a little clearer and not just on like when you sit back and reflect on it but when you're actually watching it is that he is when he gives up that drive and purpose on the job, mm. he's able to expand that drive and purpose towards family. Yes. Nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because I kind I did feel that as I was watching it, but I agree it was not super well illustrated, particularly when you think about, like, the problem season two had was too many characters, not enough time to do anything really with them or make mm. them feel like real people or give a shit about them. I gave a shit about Wayne, Amelia, and... Um, Roland yeah. and Tom um, because there was enough time to spend with them. But mm. whether they spent 
too much time on one side of that coin and not enough time on the other. Mm. And that because you've only got the dark and you don't have the light. Yeah. You know, there's all shade, no light. It's sort of like, I know there's light on the other side of that coin, but you didn't show me that enough <laughs> to really fully grasp that that thing in three dimensions. And that, that might be part of the problem, I think. I, I don't think you're wrong there. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I just, I guess with their relationship so often I'm just like you're just being a fucking asshole and I and I want to know and I think we do find out later it's because you know one he like gave up the progress in his job in Mm -hmm. the 80s oh that's a huge moment yeah find out why he was stuck in that office job yeah and why he was so resentful really towards totally. her about writing that story and Absolutely. stuff. And I think that's that's great to know. But a lot of the time, yeah, I've, I guess I was just waiting to find out why, which is good to have anticipation for reveals and things, but also because I was so in the dark the whole time, I, I, I had no context for really why there was so much anger. And so, yeah, there was somewhat confusion or a lack sure. of understanding. And so there was distance created, I think. Because um, it, it basically what happens is all timelines come to a conclusion at about the same time, by episode seven or eight, basically. Time is a flat circle, baby. <clears throat> time is a flat circle. And there has I've seen criticism as well that's like, well, did this story really need to be told that way, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think the answer is probably no. <laughs> it creates, like it does a similar framing device to season one. But the thing that season one did, right, was it like it grounded you in two points at once. Right now, it's happening in the present, mm. and let's track this from the beginning all the way through, right? Yeah. So, once we do a time skip from 2005 or whatever it was, 2012, I can't remember exactly the time frames, mm. but that that skip happens, and we've left that old time frame behind. We're not going back and seeing them back when they were first looking at this case. And so, on this one, it's like, you got that framing device, which works to do the anticipation thing, the leave the breadcrumbs, the, mm. you know, who was convicted incorrectly the first time, who was convicted the second time sort of thing, right? But but then you've got, rather than seeing, yeah, half the mystery is, why is he so antagonistic towards Amelia in, in 1990? Mm. And we don't find out that until episode eight. Yeah. And it's like... Well, if you just told those time frames one after the other, so the first three episodes are 1990, the second three episodes are 19, mm. uh, 1980 or vice versa, then you wouldn't have that problem. Yeah, I th- I, I think I like the fact that, you know, it's, it is jumping back and forth between mm-hmm. timelines because it is a story and it's from the perspective of a man who is, I can't remember if it's Alzheimer's or dementia, yeah. but that is how he is experiencing time. Sure. It's, it's non-linear for him and so... I think it's interesting to look at how you ex- look back on your life when you are dropped into moments of it and you get a different perspective of mm-hmm. who you were who you were in different stages. I think that's a really cool thing to do. Does it get confused towards the end? I I think it does. I, I there are moments where you know we drop back into the 80s and I'm like where were you in the last scene when you're in the 80s what what part of the relationship are we in it did become a little confused for me because we are dealing with three timelines mm-hmm. that are consistently through every episode yeah. jumping back like it is confused and i think there's probably a clearer way to structure that but i think the non-linear storytelling is good for the character we have well that's the then it becomes a question of 
is it worth it to do that, mm. right? Because I agree with you that the stuff with nine or 2015 um, Wayne is very interesting with him and his dementia or Alzheimer's, mm. whatever it is, his memory loss is very interesting. How much that informs the rest of the story, I'm not 100% sure of. Mm-hmm. The payoff is mainly that bit at the end with Julie, in a way, yep. and certain things that are kept from him because his memory doesn't, they are there, particularly he doesn't remember why Roland's so angry with him, which is a massive revelation when that happens and yeah. a big deal. Um, but as cool as that is, was it one step too far? Mm. Like, Yeah, I don't think it helps the... I, I don't like it as a framing um, structure for the mystery for mm. um, with all like the red herrings and the investigation. I don't really like it for that. I yeah. think I like it more for the idea of what it could have done for him reflecting on who he is as a person. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Which is I think where it would was serving more the first thing rather than the second yes. thing. And that is a problem. Its balance yeah, was so. off. Yeah. And I think I agree with that. I do kind of want to watch this season again and see mm. how I feel because it's not like I felt this way about season one, but I know I got so much war out of season one when I wasn't anticipating the answer to the mysteries mm-hmm. and watching it again this season, knowing the anticlimax that's to come, maybe I'll watch it differently and feel a bit differently about things and what it's telling me and presenting things to me the way it is. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. It's I. I but I see again. All of that I find fascinating, and that's done a lot for me to give a shit about this show. Mm-hmm. It's it's dense, and it's um, I was pulled along by the performances the entire time. The way it's shot, like there was so much good going on here that if it's a little bit muddled, mm-hmm. it kind of just makes me want to go back and over the, like be a true detective and like you know sift through <laughs> the clues a little bit later on. Yeah, I don't know. I've okay. I've got a question. Go. It's totally out of nowhere, but what is the Tom Gaynor's thing about? Yeah. Why is that there? Yeah, I was wondering about this as well, whether you thought that was there. Not just Tom, I think it's a question of Roland as well, and it's not really fully... It's it, The problem is it's not given time to be anything except mm. subtext at most, right? Yeah. There's this obvious... We find out that Roland is... Obviously, very important to him are his relationships with men, right? So, when first it's him and Wayne, mm-hmm. then they go separate ways. He attaches himself to Tom. Mm-hmm. There's talks about whether Tom's gay or not. I remember it was weird. The first scene that we see Roland and Tom in in 1990, Roland goes to visit Tom mm-hmm. and they have coffee. And I said to him at the time, maybe I'm just reading into this incorrectly, but it felt weirdly intimate in a way that was more than just... There was something else about mm. that. And like the way that his marriage doesn't work or he never ha- gets married, he never yeah. has kids. We never really understand the relationship he has with that woman. Mm. Um, he lives by himself, you know. Yeah. All his important relationships thing, like, with men. If you're going to drop in that Tom is gay. Or that Roland might be bi yeah, or something Yeah, but like well, just yeah. if you're going to drop in Tom yeah. is gay for the purpose of discovering that Roland is either gay or bisexual, mm-hmm. then do it. Like, yeah. I don't... 100% agree. Like, otherwise, it's just like, well, why is that in there? I don't... And the thing is, like, there's little bits of, like, wait, is he gay? Is he gay? Is he gay? Throughout the season, like, there's moments where, what's his name, Harris James or whatever, says to Wayne, it's like, oh, you've got a really nice body and yeah. all this. I was just like, wait, who is gay in this? Like, I don't understand. 
understand what what these little hints of because at the end I thought yeah, that was a nothing was it the Harris toward, James thing towards like maybe maybe Wayne's gay and I was like yeah maybe Roland's gay Tom apparently is gay but I'm not sure why what are we going to learn at the end we learnt nothing about it it's just a weird thing that's in there and yeah. like so if we don't get that extra bit of like oh it's to inform another character or even to inform Tom's character which it doesn't do um I was like oh well is this like maybe adding credence to the fact that Tom had something to hide and therefore could be a suspect, even though at no point do I think really, maybe I'm wrong, but audience would think that he would have done anything, particularly in that first episode. We see him looking for the kids. We see him looking back into the garage and seeing that the bikes are gone, having that realisation that they're missing. So I don't know why. And then I was like, there was one scene between Roland and Wayne in the car and Wayne is kind of like very ever so slightly kind of being homophobic or having negative opinions about gay people. I'm like, is it informing the fact that Wayne is homophobic? But then what is the purpose? Is that saying something about his friendship with Roland? But then we never get there. And so I'm just left asking why it's there. I agree with that. It's like a dropped thread. I, and I think you sort of said this. There's lots of different themes in here, but maybe not all of them deserve to be here or aren't given enough time. And I think that's a perfect example of that. It's mm. there. I kept following that thread when it showed up. Mm-hmm. It was bare thread, but it was there. And then nothing came of it. Yeah. So I'm not sure the point of it was. I don't know whether they were trying to suggest that, like, because we keep talking about at different times Wayne's, um, the discrimination against Wayne as a black man, specifically mm. inside the police force. It's a big one. Um, the way he's treated is like he's besmirch, bes- going to besmirch Roland's reputation, right? You should be, you know, just lucky to be here still because a white man allowed you to be here sort of thing. Mm. And, like, that was there and I appreciate that for what it was. But, again, didn't really inform a whole lot of the story, I didn't think. It was there at times. No, but I do think it's important. So, he doesn't have to be a huge part of the story. but can't be ignored. It it forms, yeah, the context of the time and place. Which, to not acknowledge that would be, I think, weirder. Sure. And then... So, is the idea here is that Roland seemed to be slightly more enlightened than some, although at times I thought the way he just... Like, there's one point... you remember Yeah, I that? think there's a thing where it seems like the men that had served, in, probably in like rather probably diverse, what do we call regimens or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, if they saw another man who had served, there was respect no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Roland's experience of serving informed a person like his experience of someone's character despite their color or regardless of their color sure yeah so what was interesting though is that i when remember they went to chase, chase down the guy the first guy with the with the other eye that was blind right and i had that whole thing and he's like isn't oh, just- that him no, no, different guy. Oh, okay. the, 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 uh, it's on the other side. I did notice that. Yeah. Was, oh, okay. Different it's a guy. Totally different As you guy. said, there's like there's a million black guys around here mm-hmm. who are missing an eye. Like I'm right. not the only one, sort of thing. Um, it's different guy. Right. And and then like there's a whole. He's like, oh, cops just here wanting to kill a black guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, bro. I know. <laughs> Don't know how I got so close then. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then. And then they leave and, like, there's all this tension built up with the the mob and stuff. And and Wayne's like, were you going to shoot him? And he's like, no, I wasn't going to shoot him. Mm. And he said, in fact, I was less likely to shoot him because he was black. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, 
like trying it, like me thinks thou protest too much a little bit. I don't think you're a bad guy, but the way you explained that was a little no, no. problematic he's, as he's... well. I understand what he's saying, yeah. but it felt a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it was talking down to Wayne a little bit when he said that. It's like yeah, totally. I mean, I didn't, I didn't enjoy that so much. I, but it was it didn't bother me because I thought like this is interesting. That it's yeah. complicated, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a complicated time. It's like an yeah, an honest yeah perspective. Like that's just he's like, well, you know, I understand like racial tensions and the fact that he was black. Like that would look really fucking bad. So it would m- give me pause. I totally get that yeah. too. I think that's what he meant. But I was like, ah, uh, I feel like Wayne should comment on sort of how that sounded a little bit. Mm. So, like, what's the point? Because I think they well, they both know what it sounds like, but it is what it is. Totally, yeah. sure. Uh, I don't know. There was, again, lots of these things in there that mm. are, like, sprinkled in, mm. but maybe don't here's fully an, come to the Here's floor. another thing. Yes, please. How do we feel, or why, just why, um, the affair between Wayne's son and Eliza, the, the TV oh, lady? Yeah, whatever. What is that? Oh. The one female character that is not sexually connected to anyone is then just like, but she is having an affair with the son. Why? Can't she just be like a character that exists there? I think the suggestion is here that maybe she's a little more duplicitous than you even want to believe because theoretically, has she gone through Wayne's son to get to Wayne? Like this guy is probably hard to. Yeah. But the thing is like that storyline. Well, I understand it's a, it's a, a framing device mm. to do like the flashbacks and stuff is not really part of the story. It's it's it gets him like thinking about things again, but her she is not a character. We don't really we don't really understand what the investigation is there. Like the the film thing oh. falls away at the end. I think so it's then, a red herring more than anything, right? Yeah, totally. And again, it's maybe one of those things. It's like oh, there could have been an interesting theme about mm. discussing. Like yeah. true crime documentaries yeah. and that sort of thing. And, and the thing day, is, like, really she there. can be duplicitous and manipulate manipulative without ha- having to fuck <laughs> someone. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. does do, do all the women need to sleep with the men in order to be relevant to the story? Well, the other thing that did only really did because it, 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 I felt that was less to do with her and more to do with the son, right? Well, that's the thing is like it. It obviously like brings up this conversation. Like, oh, did I like teach you to be withholding? Yes. Once again, like. I think we could have got there another way without yeah. – it's just like I I, I just am so dissatisfied once again with the place women are put in sure. this story and in previous seasons as well. So there are probably two uh, – if we don't include Julie for a second here, there are two – I've got the soul of a whore. <laughs> There's two other women. I will repeat, I've got the soul of a whore. <laughs> Cool, I guess. Has anyone? Oh fuck! Anyway, yeah, go on. So didn't in, weren't enjoying the uh, uh, what's her name? Lucy. Lucy was mm-hmm. the name of uh, the kid's mother. I mean, watching it, like I really enjoyed the character of Tom, but I was like, we have so few, like, really. I mean, I think Amelia is good, though. Once again, I kind of still don't really understand who she is either. Um, but I was like, oh, I kind of wish instead of Tom, we had Lucy in that role. Sure. Um, why couldn't it have been the mother? Why was the mother just like this slut running around? Um, and that, that's all. She, she's this slut that ran around, didn't give a shit about anyone. Um, yeah, just this this woman with the soul of a whore. Like, uh, yeah, I, it's like oh, he was an opportunity to 
Because I understand the argument of, oh, well, if it's taking place in the 80s, it's very unlikely that there would be a female detective then. Cool, fair enough. Then add a female character perhaps in the character of Lucy having a bigger role there that isn't just about what a slut she is and how that affects Tom and how her bad behaviour affected Tom and the kids. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Well, let's just talk about Amelia for a second then. Because like, I, I agree that Lucy is not a... Yeah, it's two broad strokes, not given the same mm. attention that Tom is, and that's really disappointing. Mm-hmm. So Amelia then, if you talk about they didn't have female detectives, well, the closest thing we get is the mm. third true detective here mm-hmm. really is the Amelia. The best detective. Probably, the best probably detective. The better detective. <laughs> well, I mean, she, has, she makes mistakes along the way as well, which yeah, I think is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and that complicated relationship she has with Wayne mm. um, is I, – I enjoyed that tension for what it was, even mm. if it wasn't – necessarily super well fleshed out. Yeah. I almost would like to see a recut of this if we just saw it in order. Like yeah. and mm-hmm. see how that played out if it wasn't to spread out over eight episodes. Yeah. I just think like I think like the fact that she plays a detective is really cool. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a shame that um she can only be included because of her association, her sexual and romantic relationship with Wayne. You know what I mean? Like that is her. We just have another wife character in this show. I mean, I I agree with that on a surface level, but so much of this relationship is like we do spend time Mm. with Amelia on doing her own stuff. You know, Mm. doing it her way. Nowhere near as much as Wayne, obviously. But Mm. it's not like we only see her through Wayne's perspective. We get plenty of. No, I'm I'm not saying that at all. I appreciate the character. I'm just like. But also, I like. I think it's. I wish a woman could be connected to the story without having it be through a relationship with a man, a romantic or sexual relationship with a man. Uh, yes, I would like that as well. Especially would have liked that in season two because it didn't need to be there. But yeah, like, exactly, th- at yeah. least in this one, it was a linchpin of this story was mm. Wayne and Amelia's relationship to each other, their marriage. Like mm. it is a huge guiding beacon throughout this thing is yeah. this other better life that Wayne should be investing in with this woman. Mm-hmm. And both of them have keep diverting their attention to this black hole of a case mm. and should be coming back to each other. And so I think in equal parts, they are served and disserved by that. Mm-hmm. Yes, women don't need to be in those sorts of relationships to be in this story, but the one that we got works for me. Lucy doesn't. Yeah. But Amelia's one yeah. does because it's more than... it's A, it's integral to the story that's about their relationship, mm-hmm. and B... When she's doing off her own thing, she is completely self-motivated. She has her own agenda and her own goals and her own desires. Mm-hmm. Like, all that stuff's there too. Yeah. I, we, yeah, last season was this, was was the opportunity with Rachel McAdams' character to not do it and they couldn't fucking do that. They had to make her sexually involved I got with the fucking soul Colin of Farrell. a whore. Yeah. Speaking of Lucy but I'm for a, a second, mm? do you know who the actress was that played her? Because I wasn't aware of this. Yes, woman. I know who I she is. I did not know. <laughs> was it Mammy Gamma? Mamie. Mamie. Mm-hmm. Meryl yep. Streep's daughter. Yep. As, as soon as it was mentioned to him, I was like, yep, I see it. <laughs> uh, I mean, because, yeah, I've seen her in things before. Um, and, yeah, obviously she looks quite similar. Like, she's got that straight nose. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, like, her, her when she comes in for her first scene, her reading of her lines, I'm like, She's got your mum's voice as well, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's a who doesn't want Meryl Streep's voice when you're acting coming out of your mouth? Not to say I don't want to associate her incredible talent with her mother because she is talented in her own right and has a wonder, gives a wonderful performance. Um, 
Roland, is there anything else about Roland we want to talk about there? You you liked his relationship with... Like, I like their friendship quite a lot. Mm. I like this sort of part of the resolution of this story is that Wayne and Roland reconnect as friends, that that was important to both of them at different times. Mm. And and yeah, Wayne, th- just because he just... When he yeah. detaches, he detaches. I think I cared more about that friendship than I did the Amelia and Wayne relationship. Mm, okay. Um, I think because... Roland was the one character that I understood in a lot of ways. I I found Amelia cold. Um, I found Wayne cold. Mm. Whereas I found something to um, attach to in Roland. And so seeing him hurt, seeing his yeah. investment in that relationship with very little return and mm-hmm. then coming to a resolution with that was really lovely. Um, whereas I didn't really get that from any of the other relationships. Um, his old age makeup was god awful, though. The one, the stuff they did, I don't with, think it was god awful. Oh man, we just. The, I think the difference was how it was used performance wise, because what Mahershala Ali was doing mm-hmm. was so much less expression. Yeah, it just worked way better. I just kept thinking they should have given him a white beard. That would have like helped. balding uh, in a beard. I kind of wish. It mainly for me was the forehead because he just is more expressive. They kept seeing those like yeah. artificial wrinkles show up. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, your your whole face is not moving correctly here. Yeah. That showed up a little bit. It was it was better in certain scenes in certain lighting. The first time I saw him, I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> that didn't work so well. That's interesting what you say, though, about because we get a lot of that also because we see Roland in 2015. Mm. If Amelia was still alive, do you think that would have helped? Your relationship 100%. with Wayne and Amelia, yeah, yeah. The choice to have her to not be there is interesting one. Yeah, because we get her in the eighties timeline where she's being really helpful and stuff, but there are still like tensions there in that relationship because he is so closed off and mm-hmm. kind of learning how to be with someone. And then the nineties, there's so much resentment and anger, and just not a lot of love there at all. Um, I mean, there's love, but I you mean, know what he, I mean? That's like, the thing I like. I felt like it was there. It's just that because of the current circumstances, as in, it like, was it's being ignored. The, yeah, they're just like so angry. There's so much resentment. I didn't mean yep. there wasn't love there, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. you know, it, it's not being expressed Yes, um, is what I meant. And or so, it really struggles to be expressed. I think, again, it yeah. is there, but it's like it takes so much effort to get to that point. Yeah. It's just like, it's hard. Work. well, you both just seem kind of like, couple of assholes that don't really like each other very much. Um, so, yeah, I just I didn't really care about their relationship. Yeah, again, I think it's where we're missing, like, those in-between bits because when they make, again, they make that decision to, like, let's both leave this case behind, you get mm-hmm. the sense that was a good decision and that fixed a lot of their problems once they were able to just actively go, mm-hmm. let's move on from this together. It's not that you're going to continue writing or I'm going to continue. Like, we're not going to say, I've got ownership of this. Yeah. They're both saying... Together, for the sake of this, we walk away mm-hmm. into it, the next step into our future. Yeah. And it works out so well for them. Well, here's the thing is like, because it's so much that conversation they have in the bar in the 90s. Mm-hmm. They're like, our relationship is this crime. Mm-hmm. These two kids. Mm-hmm. God, like it can be more. Mm-hmm. But our experience as an audience is their relationship is that crime. Yeah. We're missing Full that. Stop. We're missing the so other then, side of that So, coin. I'm like, well, what is the... The lesson? Do we just not get to learn the lesson or see like we have to accept it why that lesson it. has value? Yep. Yeah, I agree. That is that is not fleshed out enough to be mm. 
Like we, and it's made. I wanted so, to care about this relationship. I really did. It is made worse by merely being dead by the time of 2015 because we just have to talk about how much he misses her. Mm. Like he just has to keep saying it and reflecting back on certain moments, you know, <gasps> from the past. You know what I would have loved? Yeah. If um, Wayne was dead and it's looking back through Amelia's perspective and she meets up with Roland and they like have a better understanding of this man that was so closed off through their experiences together. Oh, I would have really enjoyed that anyway. What if he what if he wasn't dead? What if he was just so his still memory was gone? Cognitively yeah. just so dis yeah, he was so messed up at that point they sort of have to talk around him a little yeah, bit. And they, and they have to piece they together miss him for in the him. moment, like the daughter says, I miss you right now. Yeah. Like they miss him right now. Mm. Um and get some resolution. It could be really tragic, but also really effective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that might have helped. Um just to go back on this one more time so we can we should start wrapping up. I'm not sure. Did I get your reaction on the Rust and Marty stuff? Like, what did you think when that showed up? Was that exciting to you? Was that just a cool little Easter egg? It was, was just a little Easter egg that I didn't really care about. Yeah. Okay. What about the final shot? The very last shot is they're sitting on the porch, mm. which is a great little moment. He <laughs> seems to have, you know, been able to move on a little bit. He's reconnected with Roland. He's reconnecting with his family. It's <laughs> sort of exactly what I want to see. And then he's on the front porch and he sort of has this... Okay. Two, it's been interpreted a bunch of different ways. Mm-hmm. Liam reckons he dies. I, yeah. I don't like that interpretation. I think that's... It could be true, but I choose to ignore that. Yeah. He's having sort of like... It's like another moment. It's like flashing back to a different time that we haven't mm-hmm. seen. We get the fifth timeline for a second. Him in the jungles of Vietnam. Mm. What'd that mean well, to we, you? Don't we flash to him and Amelia? Oh, sorry. He has that they first, walk yeah. Off. And they walk off into and the light, into which is the, the bit light. that Liam doesn't like, yeah. Um, and then or he thinks his death, yeah. Yeah, into Vietnam, which I have read. I think, is it Angela Robinson? Uh, oh, no, Joanna Robinson. Sorry, I don't yep. know why I think her name's <laughs> Angela. Joanna Robinson, her, not her theory, but a, a little like tidbit of like, oh, maybe. Um, is that it's a Jacob's Ladder scenario because apparently that shot of them walking off into the light is very similar to the end of Jacob's Ladder where he walks, he ascends the stairs, I haven't seen it. Neither have I. Um, with his son and then we flash back to him on like a gurney or a um, surgical table. He's a soldier who is de- who's dying in Vietnam. Sure. And so all that we have seen has never actually occurred. He died in Vietnam is, is the Jacob's Ladder thing. And the shot's... Of them walking into the light and then the flashback to Vietnam. I don't like it either. And Joanna Robinson doesn't necessarily like it either. Um, But she's like, well, it's interesting that the shots are very similar and then we take him back to Vietnam. Do I think that's it? No, I don't. But is that an interesting little tidbit? I think so. Totally. I think it comes back to, it's similar to this sort of ending of season one, right? Where they're Mm. talking about, we've had this very sort of negative... um, nihilistic point of, like, rust, right? And then he finally has this moment of, like, positivity. It's not the same, mm. but what you've got is light and darkness, right? He walks into the darkness of the jungle by himself. He mm-hmm. walks into the light with Amelia. And whether it's just symbolic of, like, ultimately what this message is about is just like a million shows I've been watching lately, do it with someone else. It's always yep. going to be better with someone else. Don't do it alone. Connection yeah. is the important thing, right? And mm. so if you do it by yourself, you're walking into darkness. You do it with someone else, you're walking into light. And it's like, because mm. both of those are starting a journey, you know, they're not, they're not destinations. He mm. is walking, he's starting a dark path. He's starting a path to light. Mm. And like, I. Yeah, I guess I think I, I saw it 
more as um, well. He is sitting there on the porch with his family, and mm-hmm. you know this is a, a happy po- place for him. Uh-huh. And then we flash back to his past. His past. His past trauma is always going to be there. It sure. is a part of him. Yep. Um, and like while we get to this happy place, those things are not erased. Yes. Um. So it's about living through trauma and just like. The story continuing on. Totally. Yeah. I think that makes more sense to me like that. Mm. It is interesting that they choose the last one is the dark yeah. image and the thing of him walking alone, which is why is that the final image? Could we have had that at the start of the episode maybe? Mm. Like start with him walking into darkness or something like that and just have that like that other flashback, that moment. But that's me trying to put my interpretation on top of maybe what the, uh, the right, intention, the is. intention yeah. is and- I'd like if you've got theories, listeners, on what mm. that is. If you've got an idea for yeah. what that ending might and be, I'd yeah, like to hear I, it. I think it's yeah, it's okay to end a show with that not knowing, and I think it you know it cultivates discussion, which is awesome. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Side notes. Do you have any side notes? No. Okay. Couple little things, little details that I thought were interesting. Um, we do a pull out away from the camera monitor. So, there's mm-hmm. a moment we start, like, on the monitor of Wayne getting the interview. It pulls out to show him in the room mm-hmm. with the crew. Very similar to the one in season one. Another just little, like, reflection there. Yep. Um, in season two, Ray talks about the moments that split your life in half. That sentiment was repeated. So, some other themes were repeated. Uh, Wayne says, I used to think that it was life before Vietnam and after Vietnam. Mm. It then became before Purcell case and after the Purcell case. Yep. Thought that was interesting. They sort of re-explored that idea a little bit. That got left on the table in season two. Um, the bits with Amelia writing the book reminded me a lot of... We talked a little bit about I'll Be Gone in the Dark, um, the book that's written by Michelle uh, McNamara yes. about the uh, Golden State Killer, mm-hmm. Pat Oswalt's wife. Mm-hmm. But that was a little interesting too, just like how much the solving of that case has been attributed, maybe correctly, maybe incorrectly, to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sort of so having the perspective of this other investigator, this writer mm. who was investigating this case at the same time, is interesting. Um, did you think they were going to pin this on the West Mem- Memphis Three light boys? Yeah, in this? I did. As soon as they showed up yeah. with the Black Sabbath thing, I was like, oh, this yeah. is a West Memphis Three story. Because yeah. I was watching that episode with Angela, my girlfriend, um, and I was just like, yeah, she was. we were just talking about it. I'm like, oh, I think this is like going to be a West Memphis Three thing. Mm. Um, oh no, she was like, Oh, is that is it gonna be that thing? I was like, Oh, West Memphis three. I was like, Oh, I don't think it's like based on that because I think that was three little boys. Um, I think it was two. Was it just two? I think it was two. Yeah, I think it was two. I, I could be wrong. Okay. Um, yeah, and but it was three guys and three got- guys and stuff just because we like the black Sabbath t shirt and stuff. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, okay, that's where we're going with this. That could be interesting. Um, but yeah, it was just like a little, I guess, a little um, Easter egg for. Like true crime fans, if that's the right yeah. word, I think. And it was like a red herring, like, oh, I understand this is going to go. Well, no, you don't. Yeah. But I can see why you thought you did because yeah. you put it there specifically. Um, I also want to talk about as well, we didn't talk about this earlier, just the impact of the moment when they start beating up on that Harris guy mm. and, he, and like, you know something bad happened, right? Yeah. And like when he's wheezing and dying, I was like, this is fucking Dark. Yeah, like they beat a man to death. They beat a man to death mm. in cold fucking blood. Yeah. That is so messed up. And then, so when he is fake and he attacks them and he gets shot, I was like, 
That helps a little bit. I don't feel like they're quite <laughs> as big monsters as they were before, but it, I mm. think it's important to point out how bad that fucking tactic is and how much they fucked themselves over with that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask, so we've had three seasons of True Detective now. Mm-hmm. That title, True Detective, what do you think that means? What is the, what is the show? What is, what is True Detective? What's that thesis there? True Detective, I think, is, I don't know about thesis. Well, you know, but I a think- theme maybe. People who completely identify with what they what they do, they cultivate their purpose and their value around that, um, and the way that that affects their lives and the people around them. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of wonder if it was something as simple as every one of these stories has a moment where they continue this investigation beyond their mm. job. Yeah, yeah, because it's who they are. So yeah, yeah, yeah they, they are. That is their. A big part of their drive, mm-hmm. whether that's a positive thing, whether that's a negative thing, ultimately yeah. is a different story. But it is a huge part of their identity, obviously, mm. and they don't, they will escape that or the constraints of the authoritative mm-hmm. sort of um, constructs around yeah, them. It's not a job. It's who, yeah, it's who they are. Totally, yeah. totally. Uh, favorite and least favorite episode. What was your least favorite episode, Damascus? Um, now I watched these in a flurry, but I think it's episode six, Hunters in the Dark. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one where it's like. Tom is gay and also um, Tom randomly overhears where, like, the cousin is and stuff. Just, in a way, I was like, how is he just walking around the police department, just, like, yeah. walking up Isn't to officers? I'm like, this silly. feels very untrue detective. Like, it's just so – but then we get a couple of those moments throughout the season, actually, where things just kind of happen in a way that feels like, oh, I'm watching a TV show. I'm watching sure. a scripted, a really, truly scripted moment here. Um, so, I guess that one just because mostly because of the gay Tom stuff and also because he just overhears that random conversation. Yeah. What about you? That I was like, was that set up? Like, yeah. as in, did they know he was there mm-hmm. and were deliberately saying every possible name <laughs> in explicit detail of who those people were yeah. because they wanted him to hear so he could do something? Yeah. Like, it felt... Like they were playing him or something. Mm. Um, I'm going to say, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to say episode eight, mainly because it has the, that super weak moment of like- The book? As, uh, no. Uh. I mean, maybe. But I the, the moment, the reveal, the exposition dump of oh, what, yeah. is what happened. Because ultimately what I think the purpose is to be an anticlimax, you can present it in a better way than they did. Mm. Like- that was such a careless yeah, way to okay resolve it. It's okay for the story of the crime to be anticlimactic. You shouldn't have the um, the like the scene of that. Feel the actual show it itself felt is rushed. It felt <laughs> ill conceived. The execution is what I'm trying to say. So execution yeah. is awful yeah. in that moment, and it really was. And while those feelings of disappointment actually were good for sort of like what they were going to do next. Mm. God, it was. It, there's a better way. Yeah. There's got to be a better totally. way than, oh, here's how it all happened if you just asked me. Th- anyway. Um, but I actually liked a lot of the finale as well. So, you know, sorry. Didn't do my homework very well. Favorite episode? I'm going to go with episode one just because it, like, it hooked me in right away. I was like, okay. I was excited. I'm like, oh, this season's going to be good. I enjoyed the performances. I enjoyed the f- uh, framing device of the interview thing, although it didn't work towards the end for me. Didn't really work for the show either since they drop it. Um, but, yeah, that initial episode I thought was, wow, 
gorgeous. I 100% agree. My favorite episode Mm. is also episode one, The Great War and Modern Memory. Pulled me straight in, focused deliberately, Mm. uh, focused, deliberately paced, well-presented story with some solid performances and plenty of carrots on sticks to keep me moving forward. And had that Southern Gothic style. Yep. It looked way better. Mm. Just a huge sense of relief that it wasn't immediately a garbage fire like season two. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we should thank uh, the director of that episode. uh, What's his name? Jeremy Soulnier. Uh, so, yeah, director of Blue Ruin and Green Room. I've not seen Blue Ruin, but I've heard great things. Green Room is a very good movie. Haven't He's seen a either. good director. Mm. Um, and I think he brings a lot of his sensibility to that episode. And mm. I, I would say a lot of that comes from that. That Yeah, the opening mystery, as much as a lot of it doesn't end up being all that interesting, like seeing the dolls, the wicker dolls, finding Will's body with the prayer hands, the way he, like... Yeah, all of that stuff so effective in the first yeah. episode. The, even like the bit where he's flashing back and forth between the having the light uh, when he's being interviewed and the moon sort of mm. like shining a light over this whole thing. Yeah, I that was really cool. Loved all of that stuff, so good. Mm. Do you have any predictions, hopes, or concerns if we get a season four? I hope I like season four more than I did this one. Sure. Um, predictions. The next person to star in True Detective mm. will then also that year win an Oscar for a, a film um, when really they should have probably won the Oscar the year before, mm. a la Matthew McConaughey. Like, you know how Matthew McConaughey won for Dallas, Dallas Buyers Club? Club. Yep. Then Mahershala Ali won for Green Blah Blah, <laughs> when really I think people are giving them awards for True Detective. <laughs> anyway. uh, I predict that. Next season, they will try again to have a female lead or at least a co-lead as Mm -hmm. in another female detective. It will take place, if we do get a season four, it'll be more modern day. It won't be the same sort of going back to the 80s and the 90s and things Mm. Um, because they, I think they want to make up for, I don't know, they probably like season two a lot, the creators, but I think they'll try that again. Um, Mm. Maybe get like Can a character Emily just Blunt not be based in, or... around the fact that she fucks a lot of people? Yeah, that would be good. And not to say there's nothing wrong with that, but the way this show um, contextualizes that is by saying there is something wrong with that, which I don't appreciate. Totally, mm-hmm. totally. Do you like when we talk about Lucy though and her saying like I got the soul, soul of, a of a whore? whore. Do you think we're meant to think like that? There's anything correct about that? We're meant to think that she's. Off base and is... I think we're meant to think that she shouldn't be so hard on herself. But the way that she lives her life is clearly meant to be seen as wrong. Like, she cheats on a very sympathetic character like Tom. She's not there for her kids and stuff because she's out there whoring around. Yeah, sure. Fair enough. Mm. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. at Shawnee Boy Draws, our theme song from Jordan Calavis, and our bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S. This week, I've mainly been tweeting about the new starters for Pokemon Gen 8, which comes out at the end of the year. Damask? <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter. You like Pokemon. Don't start with me. No, I was just laughing because you're a nerd. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Um, what's been happening? I think I just tweeted about how I didn't know who, who Wayne was this yes. season. Um, 
And Do you feel any different about that after this discussion? Has this helped at all? Or do you feel like you just maybe understand the shortcomings of the season a bit more clearer now? I, I think I understand the purpose of things a little clearer. It doesn't make it any more satisfying. I think I think it's good to understand where we feel like the deficiencies are. Yeah. Though. Like, I, I, I agree with you that, like, if we just had a little bit more of him when mm. he's not in this complicated, tortured mess all the time, you know, good relationships yeah. with his family and stuff, it would help a lot mm. to understand him and what drives him beyond the case. Uh, next episode, we'll be back to discuss The Legend of Korra Season 3, In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.